0: Song facts. Get your song facts
1: right here. Get your song facts. Get your song facts Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. My name is Corey O'Flanagan. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. As always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon music family. Go check it out for all of your music podcast needs. And guys, if you haven't yet, please think about pausing real quick, hitting the five stars, giving us a nice review, doing a little bit to help carry this show along, because we certainly appreciate it. All right, on the show today is Sophie Fattorecci, who is a classically trained violinist DJ, a talent scout, and now has released her first full-length debut album, Cult Survivor. Going through the songs on this album, it is clear that she isn't afraid to look inward and utilize what she finds for lyrical inspiration. Sophie and I chat about some of these new tunes, we ponder the way she was feeling as she was writing the album, and she graces us with a stripped-down version of her song truth of the matter make sure you stick around for it it is a lovely piano ballad so please go and check out sophie's new album cult survivor and enjoy like i did getting to know sophie
0: 99. Hey.
1: here with Sophie Faturechi and I'm I may not have even said it right but you said it
2: you said it just fine yeah
1: I love it um and Sophie's kind enough to be joining us from Vienna Austria is that right
2: yep correct
1: fantastic looks like there's maybe a decent record collection behind you
2: there is those are those are my records (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: that's amazing um well you have this amazing unique story and I just have to ask to start how does someone come from what seems like having a classically trained musical background, learning the violin growing up to be in a global, I would call you a global DJ from LA to London to New York.
2: Um, Well, I think playing an instrument really just kind of fed into my natural interest and um, love for music and all kinds of music. And, you know, especially as a teenager, I think I really, veered towards hip hop, largely because there are so many samples and connections back to classical music or jazz or, you know, um, these kind of areas of music that I really enjoyed growing up. And um, yeah,
1: well, you had an opportunity to pursue music at the Vienna Conservatory. Is that how? S- yeah,
2: I studied I studied performance violin there and um, for a while thereafter, I actually, um, I played violin in various orchestras, the Young Philharmonics, um, various, um, opera houses like the Opera, um, and concert houses. Um, but ultimately I decided to not pursue a path in solely classical music, although I do still play. Um, And I still even play in orchestras. So pre-COVID, I played with the Academische Philharmonie um, in some of the same concert houses I would be playing at as a teenager. Yeah. So kind of came full circle when I moved back to Vienna. I was like, well, I want to see if I can still do this and, um, you know, applied and was accepted. And
1: yeah. What do you, what do you think makes us that that's something that originally you didn't want to pursue?
2: Uh, I th- I mean, like, I still don't want to pursue it as my sole career choice. Yeah. I think it's um, just financially too difficult, um, too mm. competitive in a direction that I maybe wasn't as excited about, especially not like with 15. I didn't really see myself doing that, just that for the rest of my life. Um, yeah.
1: Do you think, um, that has impacted some of the sounds and things that you've I guess and come up with as a DJ and and, and that kind of thing how, how does that filter into your life as a DJ I would ask
2: mm, I don't know I mean um, you know on my first album I don't play any strings at all and I was like oh yeah. well if I add strings I think it'll just sound really corny or whatever and then as I'm finishing up my second record at the moment, um, there's string arrangements on almost every single track that I wrote and played, um, and I really, I really enjoy it. Um, so I don't know, I, I think in some kind of way, it would inevitably feed into whatever I do just because it's a part of me. Um, but yeah, I don't know how to more specifically answer that question. I think.
1: I think that's fair, though. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me that it just might not fit. I think that's a perfectly fine answer. Uh, it seems like you've got an eye for talent as well. Um, and you've helped a few artists get a start from what I can understand. One of them, Mind Design and yourself. You guys collaborated on a really nice chilled out song called Abeja. <laughs> And so I'm always curious what led to that collaboration and how did that song come together?
2: Mm, well, Ringo is my old former roommate. We lived together in LA for, I think like four or five years. Um, so also, you know, like his first album that's on stone's throw that he sings on um, that kind of like, I, I came home one day from work and he was like singing. Um, he was singing on 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 a beat, and I was like, "Oh wow! Like, what is this? Um, you, you gotta you gotta make more of this." Um, so you know, the song on the SOS compilation is, um, you know, a lot later than I think. Um, me introducing him to Stones Throw and him being on the label, it came about like a few years after that. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really really good friend of mine, um, one of my closest friends, and yeah it was just fun to to make music with him um, for the compilation we actually have another track on there called point pressing stick but it for some reason isn't as algorithmically famous as Abeja. <laughs> <So. laughs>
1: really good phrasing in that too because it might be as received just as well it just doesn't hit the algorithm the same way
2: who knows yeah
1: <laughs> do you prefer that one
2: i like them both
1: really really nice political answer Stay PC. So it seems like as life sort of happens, um, uh, you recently decided to make the move back to Vienna, um, and you started putting together some demos, which has led to the new album, Cult Survivor. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what did you find challenging as you started this project compared to the work that you had been doing for the few years leading up to it?
2: Um, I think just having faith in yourself I think it was a lot easier for me to especially when it came to signing artists or developing artists um, a lot easier for me to kind of see an artist's potential and really believe in them and um, give them that sense of encouragement to put their music out there whereas with myself I was like I kind of have to like just close my eyes and do it otherwise I probably will never end up releasing music um And so the first recorded version of these songs is actually the version that you're hearing on the album. Whereas now for my second record, it's really been a learning process because um, there's like six or seven versions of these songs that exist. And I really just wanna take my time with it a little bit more, you know?
1: Okay, interesting. Um, So I've been trying to get some of these messages because it seems like as a writer, you may have gone looking inside a lot on this album. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just kind of the vibe that I get when I listen to it, just from not only the feel of the music and everything like that, but also like the words that you're, you're putting out there, they seem to be a lot of stuff like you're looking at yourself and here's how, I don't know, like how you can look at me and stuff like that, but particularly, um, the song try to reach me and i'm wondering if you could take me into the process of writing that one
2: I think any art that I make or any um whether it's painting or music or writing writing lyrics um is kind of just a way of me processing um like existence and you know it's something that we all have to like deal with and um um and I think inevitably that'll kind of make its way into, um, my art, my art and like output. So, um, yeah, I think that song has a lot to do, um, with perception and others' perception of oneself and one's own perception of oneself, you know?
1: I'm always really interested in the idea of nature versus nurture. And I'm wondering if you would have been in a different location like in LA and you would have tried to put this album together, would it have sounded much differently in your opinion?
2: Um, Truthfully, I never really, I never really ended up having the time or like the necessary, like trust in myself when surrounded by so many other musical peers to consider myself making music even. So it really came from a point where I had been, back for a while and um had this time and like it just not not to sound like corny as in like it came to me but like it just ended up feeling like a necessary step is like I have to get these songs down um and for sure I think inevitably like if you know if we consider ourselves in like a Marshall McLuhanistic sense of like being processing machines any input that we receive will inevitably affect the output so yeah for sure i'm sure it would have sounded different maybe if i was somewhere else um or, or anywhere else you know under a different set of circumstances it would have sounded different for sure
1: yeah definitely um do you think that you're gonna end up doing some sort of do you think that you'll ever perform these songs live
2: i would like to yeah i um I just did a small show last week for, um, this actionist Vienna actionist painters. Um, there was an auction for his art. He's called Herman Mietz. He's fairly old now. Um, but he was very, very influential in like the um, Vienna actionist scene like 40 years ago. Um, and they auctioned off a painting of his and, you know, it was like an event for, um, children's cancer um and for a, for it for a charity and um i performed three songs that was really fun i had one show right before the lockdown happened in berlin for fashion week where i got to perform some of the record so it has happened okay. um i don't know to what extent it's going to continue happening you know it's very uncertain but for sure i would i would like to
1: what does that show look like? How does it? Because there's so much texture and layers to this album and this music. How does that? How do you? How do you do it live?
2: So the the show in Berlin was at this fashion week party, and I played with um, two musicians um that i've worked with before kev coco and rip swirl they're both berlin-based musicians who um are producers and really good artists um check them out if you feel like it um and they played guitar bass um and we had through ableton some of the more textural elements running um and then i played synth and sing um for the show that i played last week it was like a very stripped down piano singing rendition of these songs. So they all originally were written on piano and singing. So they work in a really stripped down sense too. However, obviously it's nicer to um, be able to perform with a band. um, And I hope that's, even though I don't really have a band, I have like this very loose formation of musicians (laughs) I work with. They're called the cult survivors. Um, But... Yeah, I don't I don't know. Very honest answer. I don't know what that's going to look like in the future. You know, it's also like a financial thing, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Once you keep on adding up. I mean, that's what I was picturing. I'm like, okay, I hear so many layers to this. You could have literally a small orchestra somewhere in there. Like just adding all the texture that you have in there. Did you put most of that within these songs? Or was that something that you and a producer kind of worked on together?
2: I don't have a producer for this album. I produced it myself.
1: Oh, amazing. Fantastic. I thought that I heard that. I thought that I read that you um, sent the demos off to someone who had been helping you with you, but I must've gotten bad information.
2: Yeah. Um, there's one other musician involved on the album. Um, my bassist Christian Hummer, but the songs are all as, so most of I mean, a lot of them are also without any other involvement, like, um, I play all the instruments on almost all the songs. So there's no, like there, there was no other producer involved. Um, maybe what you read is that I would send the demos to Wolf. And at some point he was like, well, you know, there's enough here for an album. Do you want to release this stuff?
1: There we go. And then as the mind does, it just <laughs> creates its own story behind it. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs>
1: um, so coming, I, I was I'm just curious about the idea of progressing as a, Um, musician and an artist and how would you say that you've progressed as you've gone through and now finished this album and how is it you're currently working on a new one already so like how is it affecting how you're doing this new one too
2: well I mean, in, in general, I guess um, there, there was some kind of transition in terms of me even considering myself like a singer. That was something I'd usually previously only produced for other artists. Um, I hadn't ever produced music for myself. Had you sang um, much before? No. No
1: no no is that all. something that was that you found i find singing probably the hardest Scary. thing the i mean look thing. i
2: love i love singing i love karaoke um but that's not necessarily like viable or necessarily translate like you know it's not able to translate when you're like recording yeah um and i i mean like i did take after this first album i started taking vocal lessons and you know, I was I I told her I was like, "Listen, I'm not a singer, you know, like I have no inherent knowledge of anything." And she was like, "Well, you kind of do like you know how to breathe because you've played an instrument, you know, like if you play the violin, you take breaths at pretty much the same musical note cues that you would when you're like there when when you're singing." Oh, so That's interesting. Um so, you know, you kind of think you're totally like starting from scratch, but like I think that would would be unfair to say. Um but you know, obviously, I I realize I have a you know not like an American Idol voice, <laughs> and <laughs> um and you know some I I would read certain you know reviews or like. <laughs> By reviews, I mean mean YouTube comments, and I would be like, "Oh well, you know." So the true experts. You know, experts. I mean, there can be hundred there can be hundreds of nice comments, and you read like four derogatory ones, and they really hurt your feelings. So I really shouldn't just be going on. Um, but yeah, also also reviews really fed into this second record because um a lot of the reviews were like, well, this is a great lo-fi pop record, you know, like bedroom, yeah. great bedroom pop. And I was like, fuck, like I wasn't necessarily trying to make a lo-fi sounding record. So the second record, I'm really removing myself from that. I've also branched out to work with um, other musicians like uh, John Keek plays. I wrote a part for saxophone that he plays, you know, like, it, I just want to make beautiful, timeless music. Um that I'm going to be able to enjoy in 10 years. And maybe it isn't like as subversive as, um, contemporary music can be right now. And maybe it's not pushing any, um, like, you know, I, I don't think I'm being like the John Cale of this generation. And I think he's really awesome. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm still very much like dipping my feet in the water and trying to figure out what, makes me happy. Uh, which just something I really struggle with in general. But uh, you know, <laughs> um,
1: we all do so uh, I, I not. tell everyone
2: that I'm morbidly depressed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, no, I I think, yeah, I think just stuff that you can stand behind. I think that's really like what it's about. Stuff that um you try to capture something within something that like will stay and like remain tangible at least for a while in like a world where everything is so transient. Anyway, you just want to be able to really capture something, you know,
1: and attention spans last about half a second. I think that that's a challenge for a musician now is like, can anyone even get through a three minute song at this point?
2: Yeah, it was, I mean, like people would ask me like, well, you know, You should make like a song for TikTok or like you should, maybe this album is a little bit too long. Like, are you sure you want to have like this 30 minute interlude in between this first song and this last? Like, and it's, I mean, I look, I get it. And I, I think it's really cool that platforms like this exist that to some extent, like remotely are able to like democratize the prior music industry model. But on the other hand, it also comes with this, big disheartenment when it's like a whole, like, I really have to think about, you know, what's my first song going to be like, because if people aren't listening to it, like on a record anymore, they're listening to it on Spotify. And, um, if my first song is too long, they're just going to skip it and then potentially skip the whole record. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the question was anymore, but it sucks to have to think about those things. Yeah.
1: Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class, USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport and use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician, recording vocals, or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel, Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? that is how the mic picks up your voice just trust me with these four options it's really all you're gonna need with AKG Lyra you'll be up and running in no time no matter your experience level there's no assembly no need for separate audio interface no fiddling with software settings it just works right out of the box and Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows Mac iOS and Android devices and all major recording softwares so if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high quality sound, check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. I think we kind of went off of the question and just went into freeform conversation, which I love because I like to try and get into the head of someone. It's not like you said, like it's not just like, oh, I just have to sit there and like try and write these songs that I am happy and passionate about but now i've got to think about these other aspects of it used to yeah. just be order of songs cuz you knew people were going to listen to an album front to back and it was like okay yeah. what's well, like the best order that we can put these on to say what we want to say i guess but what yeah. you're saying is i've got really one chance here with whatever i put out to to rope people in and i don't know it's almost like a little bit more pressure you're not being you're not given the opportunity just to do it as a whole, like an album as a whole. You you have to earn the opportunity to have your listener hear the whole thing. And I think that that's a really unique thing that is a a sign of our times versus how it was, I guess, pre iTunes.
2: Yeah. And what an extreme
1: challenge as an artist to be like, I've got to do this, but this might not, this is going to rope them in, but maybe this isn't what I'm necessarily passionate about.
2: Yeah, I don't
1: know. Yeah, I could. My brain just goes on endlessly about stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I also, I have to say, I really love pop music. I, I, I really, really, really like one of my favorite, um, you know, songs. Or growing up would be like, um, you know, 10 CC's. I'm not in love. Like there was like a different caliber almost in pop music. And I don't want to knock pop music. I think there's like stuff that maybe, um on a, on a genre level, you're like, oh, well, like the production on this sucks. But like, I think one of the key markers of good pop music is, um, if it can still translate to like chord, like just chords on a piano and singing and a lot of contemporary pop music, that's like radio music does fulfill that aspect. Um, and has those elements of like being catchy and, and whatnot in it. And like, of, of course, you know, like i I'd, I'd be lying if I'd say, well, I, completely eschew that and i'm not interested in it i think any anything that like allows you to connect with a lot of people especially on a on a creative level such as music is inherently going to be interesting to me um it's just like i don't know if i necessarily possess all of the aspects needed to like fulfill that you know there's so many elements that um yeah you need to touch plus luck, you know, like you have to like check all these boxes plus like a heavy dose of like luck. Um, Unless you're like an industry plant, you know, which I'm not, but you know, I I would like to, I'd like to be. So in case anybody who's listening to this, looking, looking for the next uh, (laughs) (laughs) industry plant, give me a call. You know, I write (laughs) I, I'd be a great songwriter. Um, let me know. No, I'm just, I'm just Feel free
1: to throw your number out there. We can just get this as public as you need it. To be. <laughs> 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 um, so you, I I'm pretty sure that you've agreed to record a version of a song just for us. Is that, is that true? And yeah,
2: I was going to do uh, truth of the matter is, um, on, this piano right here.
1: Oh, I love it. So we're going to get a broke down version of that. The name of the song is Truth of the Matter. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I, I really appreciate you going out of your way to record something like just for this show. It's it's something that I just love to do. It's, I get that it's hard to do it live all the time. Um, but what can you tell us about the making of this one as the full version definitely has a lot of layers and some unique sounds to it so i'm just kind of wondering where this one came from
2: um so truth of the matter i'm just cracking open a window um truth of the matter was a song that um is fairly it's like about a you know about about um kind of a friendship/relationship um but as it's kind of grown you know as as the time has kind of passed since i wrote the song i've found it uncanny as to how many like instances it can kind of pertain to um and yeah i mean so we we can break it down like so it's like truth of the matter is it didn't always used to be like this which is so applicable to so many life scenarios because nothing ever stays the same um and then it's also about how um people's interactions with you will inevitably also shift over time so um you know situations change circumstances change um and interaction as a result thereof is also going to be very um transitory so that's that's really what that song is about
0: I got-
1: That's, that's really good. I don't think that that's necessarily where my head went, but it has to do with.
2: Where did your head go? I'm curious
1: in terms of it, to me, it had to do with what we were kind of talking about before others perceiving me mm-hmm. and kind of like this looking in the mirror, the vision that I got in my head when I was listening to it was looking in the mirror behind me is a big crowd of people also mm-hmm. looking at me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm seeing me, I'm seeing the people that are looking at me, but they don't notice the mirror. They're just looking squarely at me and just judging, talking, interesting, having whatever opinion they wanted to have. And me, the the truth of the matter to me came to be like, do I need to worry about them? Do I need to care about what right. they're thinking and saying? Or am I more worried about like what this person sees? And for some reason, that's the vision that came into my head of like, Cause how often, that. how often would you be able to have that with a mirror with other people behind there where you get to actively make the choice of like, I'm either just going to focus on me or I'm going to focus on them. Yeah. And that's kind of what we do mentally all the time.
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, 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 really like that. I think, um, I think in terms of lyrics I write or also the paintings I make. I mean, I make like abstract art, right? So it's a beautiful um, one that you have
1: over your, uh, left shoulder there.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and similarly, like with lyrics, I I, even though I do try to like grasp an emotion or pinpoint something, uh, I leave a lot of room open for interpretation just because um, I always find it more interesting at the moment. And we live in like such a descriptive um, prescriptive day and age where a lot of a lot of stuff feels almost like to the point of indoctrinating, you know, and so I like like if there's one thing that i would like to do with like either my music or art or whatever creative output it may be um is to like give people that like sense of imagination or like you know space to have imbue their own meaning to something yeah um so it's really cool to hear um you know your interpretation of of the lyrics i I really like that
1: i mean i always try to give it because it's something that i'm asking artists all the time so I feel like it's only fair for me to have listened to a song closely enough to have tried to get to that point of having some sort yeah. of vision about it. Because I've if as an artist, I guess I would think that that would be something that would be very curious to me of like, obviously art and songs and whatever it is has the ability to change over time and mean certain things to certain people and at certain yeah. times and that kind of thing. But I like to try and just be like, you know, what were the emotions that you were feeling that put those words originally out on the paper, even if it means something completely different now, like what was that headspace like at that moment? Um, And and I think that that's something beautiful about song is that like what you said, like it meant this before and now it kind of looks like it's it seems like this to me and I, I like that something can evolve like that. And once it's done, it's out there and then it really just, people say all the time, it just takes on a life of its own.
2: Yeah definitely
1: do do you I've got two more questions that are a little bit one of them might be a little bit too personal but you let me know okay Uh, the first one is if you had to pick the most prominent emotion that you were feeling as you were writing this album what would that be
2: Mm, anxiety yeah yeah
1: okay I, I think that that's really fair why
2: um I think I'm just naturally a very anxious person. Um, and I think, um, I think I have a lot of fear and anxiety about existence. Um, and it's like, I think it's something that's just kind of like here as a companion. And like, I think there's obviously stuff that I try to do against it. Um, you know, whether that's like being in therapy or, um, you know, working on myself, um, you know, ruthlessly exercise to like clear my head or or whatever. Um, But I think, I think a lot of, a lot of like art or, um, you know, musical output is a way for me to um, kind of a, like what I was saying before, like a process, um, like all the input that I'm getting, like I really suffer sometimes from like sensory overload of like either social situations or um, you know, stuff that I read or see or you know, there's there's so much information at our disposal at all times, and it's really overwhelming. So there's that, um, but then also like it's a way for me to kind of not have anything external exist for a while. So whether it's like sitting down and writing a song or, or painting can be really like cathartic and like a way of processing that.
1: Yeah. To me, and I'm, I'm before I say this question, I'm going to um, tell you why I'm asking this question. I, for whatever reason, when I listened to the album, and I did listen to it um, top to bottom and think it's lovely, and I hope that people will go and, and listen to it and buy it and enjoy it the way that I've been able to, but I'm very, I kept hearing like late 1960s Donovan.
2: Oh, cool. <laughs>
1: and i have no idea why i think it's because there's a lot of kind of like just droney um parts to a lot of these songs that just kind of fill the air up and I, maybe that's what it is i can't 100 percent say why it was but i making me wonder like what were you listening to if anything as you were putting You're it not
2: together? too far off i listened to a lot of like todd rundgren or like um electric light orchestra or like the bgs you know like um or like you know even even like in a jazz capacity like ahmed jamal you know um mm. duke ellington stuff that was yeah stuff that's or like sarge gansborg jane birkin you know music that's very 60s 70s adjacent um yeah
1: it's i mean it was a, i i don't think i think you've written a record that could have been released at any point in time at that point from the late 60s to like the mid 70s as well and I love that it's one of my favorite eras of music Um, and I think that's why I was so drawn to it and just so happy that it got brought into my world. Um, Truth of the Matter I think is just such a beautiful song and I, I just really appreciate you sharing that with us and I just want to thank you for making this album in general. I'm excited to hear the next one and just kind of see where yeah. you continue to go and grow as an artist because it's not easy to just put yourself out there as a solo artist yeah. in this realm, especially when you're like what you know you you know your your vocal Very. capacity. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you got to put that out there. And then you're putting words on paper, too. And that's open for people to interpret. And then those four fucking haters on YouTube (laughs) that just get to you. (laughs) Totally. totally. You
2: can't win them all.
1: You can't. And I think that that's a very fair thing to think and say. And Sophie, I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, Thanks for listening to the album and I'm really glad you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show.
1: You know, something that I absolutely love about this is when you can get someone to really start opening up through these talks and conversations. I know it's not easy to sit and talk about the music that you write and make and interpret it with these types of questions, but I appreciate it when people give it a shot. And Sophie, thank you so much for doing that guys For the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Thank you.